Everyone faces questions and decisions that require insight and answers as we move forward personally, professionally, and corporately in all areas of this thing we call life in America today. Hello, this is Joe Schofield, and I invite you to tune in every Monday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. as we talk together and hear from key leaders of all ages and backgrounds about your questions. Interesting, informative, intuitive, but always encouraging. Tune us in on BBS Radio Network. Join Pastor Joe and co-hosts Ron Greer, Dr. Paul Hall, Stephanie Thayer, and Dr. Craig Thayer in Raising Expectations. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, we're sure glad you're with us. It's Monday, and Monday, as you know, is Raising Expectations Night. And uh, we're so thrilled you tuned us in tonight. And uh, thankful that you're looking at us on five different platforms. I sure enjoy seeing that. And thanks for your words, and thanks for things that you send in about this wonderful group of people that I want to share with you very quickly once again. And also our special guest, who is going to really tell you stories, just going to encourage you and lift you up and make you want to become probably a share of Christ's love, just like he does. So uh, again, thanks for being with us. I'm Pastor Joe. You all know me, and I have the privilege of sharing every week with you uh, the people on our team here at Raising Expectations that God's brought together in a very special way. So I like to always start on the West Coast and move my way from the West Coast to the Southeast South Coast, somewhere back there, Ron. Somewhere back there. So anyway, starting in the great metropolis of Lompoc, California, near Santa Barbara, which is called Rocket Town. Rocket Town. Space Station is, that's right. Space Force Space, right? Space Force, Space Force Space. That's it. And that's Dr. Paul Hall you're seeing there. Been a friend of mine 50 years. He is a great pastor, a great Bible teacher, a great brother in Christ. And uh, he's loved by countless, countless people. I know because I'm one of them. So glad you're here, Paul. Good to see you, brother. And we're looking forward to tonight. Thank you. You betcha. Amen. All the way to the to the south south, which is actually Dalton, Georgia, near South Carolina, not far from the Tennessee bend of the river, looking down on Alabama. You're going to find two special people there. You're going to find the Thayers. First of all, we have Steph Thayer, who is the CEO and the founder of a very special group called Quenching Wells. I really believe, and I think the whole team would say this, you won't find a better health and wellness coach in the entire nation than Stephanie Thayer. Stephanie not only knows her stuff, but she she makes it good and she allows fudge once a year. But beyond that, she loves the Lord and she helps you go in who you are from the inside out. And I I follow some of the things that she writes and they're just fantastic. So you look her up on our website also and see what she does with Quenching Well and all the people she has helped. She's a real blessing. 
And the guy to her left and my right, it might be your center, I can't see your screen. But in any event, that's Dr. Thayer. That is her wonderful husband, Craig, that goes by Tank because he's six foot five. And at that point, I'll call him any name he likes. And that's that's Tank. He's a coach. He is a trauma surgeon expertise. And beyond that, he's also a great man of God. He's got a great new book out. You've been hearing about it. We're going to do a special on it coming up real quick here. A called Saved, a life story and how God works in his life. And uh, boy, I tell you what, I like hearing about our, our bodies through the eyes of a surgeon. Where do you hear about what God's doing through the heart of a surgeon? And you hear what he does. When my time comes, I'm calling Tank. Tank, it's time for me to go. Take care of this, okay? So so the there's, amen, brother. Don't forget, now I got the hot, I got a hotline button to you, but it's going to be good. So all the way from, uh, from the east to the west, or west to the east, we come back to Central America. And that's the great state of Texas. And right there, that's the state I've been told. That's the, 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 the pad upon which the whole nation rests, the state of Texas. Is that right? I got that right, Ron. Okay, yeah, I got it. All right. We have one of our favorite pastors in the whole world, and that is Ron Greer. Ron is there in the great metropolis of McKinney. And uh, Ron has done just about everything in this life. All the people I'm introducing you to that I just have grown to love in my life, these are people who have walked through life and discovered what it meant to hand-in-hand walk with Christ. That's a big difference. You don't get it from a book. You get it from life. And they know what God has done in their lives. And uh, Ron is one of these. He works with men in the mirror, and he helps men to really discover who they are when they've had difficulties. He walks them through it. But Ron does it a great way. He walks on one side and he has the Lord help on the other side. Together, he brings guys down a great road. We love you, Ron. We're sure glad you're here, buddy. It's great to have you here. So that's the best team you're ever going to see in the whole wide world. And they bless my life every week. So moving right along now, all of us want to invite you to, to join in now with our wonderful guest today. Th- this guy, you all know, he's the first face I saw in Texas when I got to Dallas and Fort Worth, and I didn't look any further. He's my favorite newscaster, my favorite news on Fox 4 News. I loved it when he came on. He told the stories on the weekends and the things that he did, and now as a retired uh, uh, news anchor and reporter, he is actually working probably harder than he ever did, but he's out there with a heart and a, as a Christ follower, and he's helping people everywhere. I could go on and on about Richard Ray. Richard Ray is a very, very special man, and uh, we're blessed to have him two or three times as a part of our family. He's got a great story to tell us tonight about his trips just recently, so we're anxious to go on with that. So all of us want to give you, Richard, we're so glad, the round of applause, the special patented, (laughs) patented, we were going to get technical on this, but everybody likes our round of applause. So anyway, welcome to Raising Expectations. We're so glad you're here. I'm just going to Roll it to you. We can't wait to all talk with you. Thank you. I'm always glad to come on and talk with you guys. You give me a chance to talk about things I'm passionate about, that I'm doing, what Christ is doing my in my life, and, Man. and that's a rare opportunity. Amen. I, I, I appreciate all all of you guys. Thank you. It's good to have you with us. Tell us about your adventure. It was really something. Well, the last time I was on here, you know, we talked about. Uh, I went to. Uh, Ukraine-Poland border with uh, Texas Baptist men uh, a little over a year ago in March, and that was really, uh, really impactful on my life. I just felt so privileged to have done that. But we've continued to do mission work. Kathy and I uh, have done mission work since 2004, both locally and abroad. 
And um, I'm doing a lot of other things, as you said. I'm producing documentaries and I'm doing some acting and commercials and voiceover stuff. But I try to I try to go with you know the God stuff first when I when, whenever possible. And uh, I have been able to do a couple more mission trips since we last talked to you guys. And I want to talk about one in particular, but I'm going to set it up with a mission trip before the one we talk about tonight. Um, I got hooked up with a group called Wonder Voyage. And I've talked about this on the program before, but it was a series of God events that led me to a ministry that's been around for 20 years now, doing turnkey missions for groups all over the country, taking them all over the world. And the whole idea of putting people in a position where they're in awe and wonder so that they can have spiritual experiences. Well, God hooked me up through a series of events with the guy who runs that. And it turns out he lives 10 miles from me in Flower Mound, another suburb. Ron's shaking his head. It's kind of between him and me. And um, we just got together and we've been working on different projects. I hooked him up with some other missionaries that I'm involved with. And he came to me about nine months ago and he said, you need to go to Honduras. You and your wife need to go to Honduras with a spinoff group from Wonder Voyage. They're called Legacy Voyage. And it's a smaller group of people who are dedicated to leaving something behind when they go, leaving a legacy to that. He says, go with them in January. So we did in January a year ago to Honduras, where they're working there. They were working with a clinic. Really neat story. I'll kind of wrap that up later about what happened at the clinic. But Sean Small is the guy who runs Wonder Voyage. And he said, Sean, Sean told me, you have to go with these people because they're your people. They have the same heart for missions and ministry that you did. And we fell in love with them. He was hoping they would fall in love with Indodo, which I'm on the board of directors of and is a sponsorship program we've been working in Kenya for well over a decade. He said, I think they'll fall in love with what you're doing there. The school you're starting to build, we just opened a school. He says, if they fall in love with what you're doing, I think we can arrange a trip Later in the year, we'll take legacy over and show them what Indodo's doing. That's what brings us to to tonight, because it was one of the most outstanding mission trips I've ever been involved in. Uh, We took them to the city of Kisumu, where Indodo is is located. Uh, And again, it's a sponsorship program that's had hundreds of kids go through all the way through college. At any given time, we've got about 300 kids in the program sponsored by mostly by Americans, but even some Kenyans and others are sponsoring kids. And it's three, it's three pronged. It's discipleship, it's education, and it's development. Let's just show up, uh, show up that first slide I sent you guys, because this is the, the big group that got to uh, in, in, in uh, November to the Indoto building. We built a church there back in 2006, and we've since turned that into a compound for Indoto. These are all people who went over there. They raised money for the legacy to be this school that we just opened. They raised the money for a computer lab, which is unheard of because this isn't a really hard slum in the city of Kisumu. Third largest city in Kisumu. Nobody's ever heard of it, but a slum called uh, Abunga. So next slide. As part of that is already, we've already begun to develop um, a school. We opened a, slot, a school just before they got there, and it's got three grades now. It's got uh, uh, pre-K, pre-K, wow. kindergarten, 
in first grade. But look at that, <laughs> that playground set. That's one of our donors for Indoto. Her, her husband passed away, so he wanted the schools on the right. This wonderful playground set in the middle of this slum is such an oasis, such a draw to the school there. But it was so wonderful to go down the slide with the kids and and, they, and, and to see, to take uh, the people from Legacy around to show them what they were doing there. And school building begins on the right. I've got another slide, I think, that shows uh, inside one of the classrooms. Um, we've hired teachers. We've been sending kids to schools, all schools and colleges, universities all over the country. But we thought a school would tick off two of those boxes because we can create jobs for teachers and other people. We can educate and we can educate them in this kind of a, uh, an environment. So uh, the schools to the right, the playgrounds there, hopefully we can pull up that next slide to show just a classroom in there. But um, the people with legacy were so impressed with the ministry because they keep telling us over and over again that they've, they've dealt with ministries all over the world that are sort of disorganized and don't have their stuff together. But in Dodo's really got it together. I'm very proud of it. Again, I'm on the uh, board of directors. So, so I'm quite proud of it. It's uh, awesome to the next, actually that's a church service. That's, that's not the school. That's a church service. Pop to the next slide. There's the computer. Oh, look at that. Yeah. A dozen of these laptops in there. And again, this is a hard, hard slum in a third world city where the kids are not going to have any access to laptops. It's certainly not at that age. Now, you'll find teenagers and stuff that will have laptops. But these kids are getting a chance to get caught up with the rest of the world in a real tangible way because Legacy raised the money for all those computers. Pop to the next slide. If you can. Okay. Now this is my, this is one of the legacies that Kathy and I've left behind. This is when I talk about in Dodo, I really do get kind of choked up a little bit, but this young man and his family, his name is Frank. Uh, Kathy and I sponsored him for years and he's now through seminary. Uh, He's pastoring the church on the, and that's pastor Frank and his wife and his two kids. And every time we go back, we go back every two or three years we always have to take a picture with Frank because he's one of our favorite favorite former students. He's got such a heart for the Lord, such a wonderful pastor. I'm not even sure what the next slide is. Pop ahead. We'll see what it is. Okay. This gives you a little better idea. That's the church building, and we've got a compound around that church building. And uh, this is the uh, legacy group about to go on a tour of the slum. Now, this Again, we've taken places in the slum that you wouldn't want to go late at night, but um, just to show how people live there. But and Dodo and this church was the first stone building in this slum of forty or fifty thousand people. And wow. since we moved in there, other NGOs have come in there. The cities run water in there. The cities begun to pave streets in there. They've run electricity in there. Just the attention that we gave them has sparked the city to do something about this. And every time we go back to this slum called Abunga, we are just amazed at what God has done through us. We didn't do it. We made a lot of mistakes. God just cleaned up the messes and just kept it moving along. We're in the process now of um, uh, uh, building that school. We're, We're buying parcels of land around the school where we can build maybe another two, three story building for the school, maybe some office uh, buildings we could rent out again for maybe self-sufficiency for the ministry and that kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. come back on camera for me just for a second. 
the legacy people were so impressed by what they saw that they went to our executive director immediately and said, okay, what is, if you could name one thing that we could bless you with that would really help out the ministry, what would it be? And she told them we could really use a van because we're hauling kids all here and there. We've got, we're bringing kids from the outside where their parents are a little nervous about taking the into Bunga. So if we could take a van and pick them up every morning and take them home at night, we've got soccer teams that they're traveling around playing and boxing team, all this stuff that's going on that the ministry could really use this van. And they wow. said, we need X number of dollars to buy that van. Too much time. Legacy's raised it. The money's on the way over there. They're going to have a wow. van. Next that's time I'm I'll have a picture of the van. But, wow, that's uh, great. About, about that ministry. Well, let me, I, if you've got any questions on that, we'll take a break here. But then I want to show you what we did after we were in Abunga. So anybody, any questions what you hear about that? Ron, you're, you're muted. muted. You're muted, Ron. Muted, Ron. I'm not here. <laughs> I muted myself and forgot to unmute myself. There you are. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> so Ndoro is a Swahili word, right? And what what does that mean? Say that again. Uh, Ndoto is a Ndoto, Swahili that word. Means, what does that mean? That means dream in Swahili. And actually, wow. I, I, I enjoy learning languages. I'm not very good at it. It takes me a long time. But over the years, I've gotten a little past guidebook Swahili. So I can <laughs> I can talk a little bit of that. But yeah, that's a good question. Ndoto means dream in Swahili. And just as kind of a background, Swahili is like a trade language. Um, it's a mixture of Arabic and English and uh, tribal languages because everybody over there speaks first their tribal language. And in, in Obunga, the, most of that's Luo, the tribe Luo. Uh, but then the other tribes, when they're speaking among themselves, they, they speak Swahili between the different tribes. But then English is also a, an official language of Kenya. So you find, especially young people, a lot of them speak English. I always tell a story about when I was first learning Swahili, I was talking to this young woman on the street and I was just beating her down with my Swahili. She turns to her friend and goes, he's speaking to me in Swahili. <laughs> <laughs> she understood it. It was perfect. <laughs> that one, yeah. <laughs> well, as, as part of that, we always we always call them vision trips, and we've been kind of doing a smaller version of this for a long time, where we take people over, show them what we're doing, and then you have to go on safari. So I've got some safari <laughs> slides and another couple of stories I want to tell you. Uh, this, we always go to the Maasai Mara. They have a, a, a dozen world class uh, uh, wildlife parks, and the first slide I think uh, shows um, I don't know what it shows, maybe a giraffe <laughs> against the sunset. But we we always see the big five. We saw a leopard on the first first hour that we were in the park. Uh, we saw you know, lions and elephants and 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 black rhinos, which are really really rare. We saw f uh, three of them, which was uh, which was a real surprise. And again, if we can pull up those slides, because I got a story to tell about that too. Uh, yeah, there's a group of cheetahs perfectly camouflaged there in the background. And um, wow. The next slide may show a Maasai village outside of Maasai village. And that, okay. Now let me tell you a story while we look at this a little bit. Um, this is a God story too, that goes back to 2004 when I did the first mission trip uh, to Kenya. This is before Indoto was formed, but we were thinking about it when we went. 
Uh, at that time, I was still working at Fox 4, and we had a series called uh, Focus on Faith. And I wasn't doing this series, somebody else was, but I went to my managers and I said, you know, I'm going on this short-term mission. There are churches, there are hundreds, thousands of churches all over Dallas-Fort Worth every summer that send kids on and young people on, on short-term missions. I, I could do a Focus on Faith story on that. And they, and they, I, I just need some good sound gear. I got a decent camera, but if you could give me some sound gear. So they agreed to do that. Well, on the plane, on the way over there, some people from Prestonwood, one of the big mega churches here, recognized me and came up and started talking about where are you going? We're going here. Well, it turned out they're going over with a group called Barry Words Ministry. Barry Wood. You may yeah. know Barry, uh, Ron. He's, he, he, I think yeah. he's from Prestonwood, but for a long time, he's been doing mission work specifically with the Maasai tribe. And again, that's that's pretty hard hard ground to break. But uh, so I was talking about them a little bit. And, and then um, every time we go on, and we did the first time, every time we go on safari, we always stop at a village just outside the Maasai Mara, which is the big national park there. And the first time we went there, I'm just talking to some people. And I said, you guys haven't heard of a Barry Wood, have you? And their eyes got rolled. Oh, yeah, we know Barry Wood. And they said, Pastor Jonathan works for Barry Wood. So they went and got Pastor Jonathan. And I interviewed him on, on the camera. Oh, great. Oh, man, that maybe I can use something. <clears throat> so when I got back, I said to my managers, well, I could do more, more than one part if you wanted. They said, can you do four? So, of course, I jumped on that, did a bunch of interviews and included, and I went, met Barry Wood, did a long interview with him, but he had videos of what they were doing with the Maasai, Maasai tribe and stuff. So I made a really wonderful series and it, it, probably something you probably wouldn't get on in a lot of markets in, in TV, but we got on here in Dallas-Fort Worth. Well, now, every time we go back, we always go to the same village and I and two or three times I've run into Jonathan before. Now, I want to show you one last slide. This time we go there and there's a young man, the guy on screen, the screen left as we look at him. He's leading the group of tourists around the village. And the village is, it's got this round barricade of sticks and wood and stuff where they bring the cows in at night so the lions can't get them. And that's where the huts are and everything. So they all kind of live together in there. He's given us this tour, and in a break in the tour, I go, you don't know Pastor Jonathan. Is Pastor Jonathan still around? And his eyes get real big, and he goes, he's my uncle. He's my uncle. So, wow. Tour. <laughs> and so uh, he gets finished up with his tour, and he comes to me. He's really excited. He wants to take me in to meet Pastor Jonathan's mother, who's the lady in the picture there. And when I introduced, she, I oh, I know Pastor John. I, I know Pastor. She gets a little bit of indignant. She, it's not Pastor Jonathan. It's Bishop Jonathan. Oh. <laughs> so they had to have a picture. We didn't have we didn't have nearly long enough to to chat. Just another wonderful God story about how you know you connect with other believers around the world, and it it's it, it's what makes missions for me at least just just wonderful. Isn't that something? No matter where you go in the world, when the Holy Spirit, when God's in somebody, wow. I mean, it's just big family, like you said, Richard. It's amazing. And there's a postscript to this, too, because that, uh, that uh, legacy trip to Honduras, they had raised money for a, uh, and I want to explain this, they had raised money for an x-ray machine. But because of COVID, 
and price increases around the world and that kind of thing. They couldn't get the the uh, x-ray machine to them while we were there. They usually want to have it there while we're there so we can take a look at it. So while we were in Kenya, another legacy group went back with the x-ray machine to Komaiagwa, which is the kind of the airport city about 40 miles outside of Tegucigalpa, which is the capital. And they took them this x-ray machine. Well, it turns out it's the best x-ray machine in the whole city. So now this little this little clinic <laughs> been working with, they've got doctors from all over the city bringing their patients into this oh, wow. to use that x-ray machine, which has made their ministry just explode. They can do so much more with it. So Amen. they continuing to work. <clears throat> wow, awesome. That's, that's a miracle. That's great. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that if it's state of the art, it doesn't even use film anymore. Oh my! Say that again. My film work. If it's state of the art, it doesn't use film anymore. It'll oh no, I don't. I don't know that, but I can find out. Um, yeah, no, I bet you that's why. I, mean, I don't think it's like cutting edge. In fact, I've worked with that ministry that that goes down there. A couple out of Iowa, and what they're they're getting a lot of the stuff that they get is stuff that that American hospitals have moved to the next level. But what they're what they're putting in their warehouse is much better than what they would have in Honduras. So uh, I don't have an answer to that question, but I know it's not it's not going to be the state of the art uh, what your hospital would have. But it's it's just so much better than anything else that they have in Comoagua. Wow. What I was trying to say was old school. You had to use film that had to be developed to do your X-rays, and they they came on that floppy plastic. Now, and I'm sure outdated ones now just load to a laptop and give you well, say, I think this is digital. I think I did hear that it's yeah. digital. That would make sense, right? So there's no no limit to how many extra wow. yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> so just to let people know how much dedication it takes, how long did it take you to get there and back? Um okay okay we'll talk about uh, uh Honduras first. Honduras is not bad. Um you know, you fly through Miami and it's, I mean, it's just the one stop and it, it's not arduous. Now going to Africa, uh, that's different. Uh, we've we've done for years now, we fly through London. So it's an eight, eight nine hour flight to London. Then you've got a two, three hour layover and then another eight, nine flight, eight hour, nine hour flight to Nairobi. But then once you get to Nairobi, we generally have to stay overnight because uh, Kisumu is, it's driving distance, but it's like a six hour drive. So what we generally do is take a short hop. There's a there's a, a Kenya Airway flight that takes like 40 minutes. So what we generally do is we get we get in late uh, in the evening in Nairobi, go to the hotel, and this time we were our flights were delayed, so we got about three hours of sleep and, get up and catch the flight too. Uh, but it's it's doable. It it's it's two long flights basically. And when we do mission work in Peru, again, that's pretty simple. Peru is really not that far away. Uh, if you can get a direct, American doesn't do direct anymore, but probably have to go through Miami again. But uh, it used to be about a six-hour flight direct. Not, not a simple skip, hop, and jump you there, though. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, and Kathy and I, you know, we used to fly coach wherever we went. I just didn't even mention this, but we got to the point where we, just, well, we can't fly coach anymore. <laughs> So, fortunately, God has blessed us with the re- with the resources that if we're taking a long flight, we can we can pop for business class or at least 
coach plus with uh, <laughs> doctor you can i understand with a flying a coach if you're six foot five i got long legs too and it, oh. it's a it's a beauty. <laughs> it's, i'm still trying to imagine that one. i really am <laughs> <laughs> oh man you still need not to complain about leg room anymore <laughs> i gotta stop complaining the funny thing about him is he's all back, so he doesn't have long legs, but <laughs> either my children or he want the window seat because it's the only place he can lean up to sleep. Like, the backrest doesn't oh, work. If you raise the I'm all legs. Yeah. <laughs> See, he needs a wall, and you need a room. <laughs> Even if you raise the backrest as high as it goes, it's like almost mid-back. Wow. <laughs> and I always need room this way. <laughs> it's interesting you said uh, Barry Wood, because Paul remembers this. We, uh, we're we dating ourselves now, but uh, he yep. was the pastor of the First Little Southern Baptist Church in uh, Hollywood, and he was back with the uh, Mamas and the Papas Day and all these kind of things when people were, sh- they, they weren't shooting up as much as snorting in or whatever back in those days. And I mean, there was quite the scene. They it was wild out. Everything was a love party, like San Francisco. And he he built the the. It was. Did he get an old church? It was a little church he had there, and God touched him. Right, Paul was. Mm-hmm. He, they were packed. They were just. He reached all these people, kind of like a miniature Chuck Smith with yeah. Maranatha. I think what I remember from Barry when he came to Hardin Simmons and spoke for a week, uh, yeah. his spiritual emphasis, and he said, and I thought it was really fascinating. He said. When when God allows me to lead somebody to Christ, he said, I don't allow new believers to to worship with the old believers because I don't want them to learn bad habits. And so he said, for the first nine months, I have all these new believers together to train them. And then we bring them together. And I thought, boy, listen to that. You know, learn bad, yeah. bad, the bad habits and things like that. Uh, Richard, I have a question for you. This this kind of pushes the into the theological envelope just a little bit. Um, first, let me set the question up. The United States, American Christians are somewhat decidedly different than Christians around around the world. Our lens is a, a, a different kind of lens. We tend to see the world through our particular lens set. So, my question to you is: wh- What what is what has your trips or what have your trips taught you uh, as you've gone in different places uh what have they done to open your eyes to what god is doing in the world you know sometimes I, I, my sense is and in in america we it's it's easy for us to kind of get discouraged because we we often play on different standards or different evaluation modes and things like that but what has god taught you in your trips around the world about what he's doing in the world you know obviously he's up to something great but but what are some <laughs> the takeaways for you well there's a lot to unpack there uh, dr paul that uh, okay. it's made me it's made us global christians so many americans think that christianity ends at the at the border that that it's only for people that look like them and when you get over there the kind of the level of worship is one thing that just will jump out at you. It, they worship at a level that I'm getting I'm getting chill bumps. I don't know if you can see that, but I'm getting <laughs> the worship style and the fervor which with which they worship. You know, we complain. I didn't like that. I don't like that one. I wish they played a different. I mean, they just 
let it go. And mm-hmm. I that encourages uh, anybody who goes on a mission trip like that. They come home seeing that that this, this kingdom that God is building is all colors and all races and all people. Amen. Amen. All brothers. And I don't know how you can come away from that uh, with anything. To, there's so much to this question. Another thing that's been such a blessing in our lives is I've talked about, um, I have a lengthy prayer I do every day, and you guys are in it by name every day. You know that. But mm. I know that there are people in Kenya and Peru and China that are praying for me every day, too. And again, this is this bonding that goes on through Christ. I read something uh, not too long ago about how Christianity is the only tribe that doesn't teach its members to fear and hate outsiders. If you're if you're a member of a and and, and we're a world of tribes. I mean, even in America, there's uh, yeah. this tribe and that tribe, you know, based on ethnicity or religion or whatever, and it's always us against them, right? Jesus says, "No, they're all your brothers, even the ones." that hate you, even the ones you're tempted to hate, they're your brothers. They're not to be feared or hated. And those are the kinds of things that I take away from um, being a global Christian. Uh, In fact, I really tend to call myself a follower of Jesus Christ because I think I see what what you said about uh, Pastor Word, I think that, you know, teach bad habits. I think I think the American church has taught us bad habits. It's yeah. not about us. It's it's yeah. about Christ. It's about sharing Jesus with every, my local church has a wonderful mission statement. And part of it is that we're to share Jesus every chance we get where we live, work and play. That's the deal. That's the great mission. We're to tell people about Jesus, share with them about Jesus. So I mean that's a little bit of yeah that's a big question Paul but it's yeah it's yeah. at the heart of it right yeah that's good amen well along the same same line uh, what's the what do you think is the uh, the driving force what makes it so different there than here in your estimation the driving force of that 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 uh, that spirited worship, the, the, the different outlook, of the you know the sort of the, uh, the un sort of unbridled worship. I just okay. I say, okay, let me let me let me say this about that. I think in America, in our highly industrialized, wealthy society, that Satan is real subtle, and that you don't really see the spiritual world here it kind of gets clouded right yeah. boy you've been in some of those places over there we've worked in hospitals and in in, in in insane wards and hospitals and stuff and it's right on the surface i mean demons and i mean i know people who don't haven't seen those things and don't believe will shake their head and say you're crazy but i've seen things on a spiritual level in those situations that i've never seen in america i mean i felt things in america whereas somebody there's i've been in 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 the company of people that I thought were that guy's evil or that woman's there's something wrong with her or something, but not on the level. So take it to the other side of that. They worship with that same kind of fervor. They're not they're not encumbered by embarrassment. You know, if we raise our hands and 
church, who's looking at me? You know? But they got encumbered by that. They just let it go. The Holy Spirit fills them up. And 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 I think I think that's a driving force. Another a great, another great question, I think. You know, Ron, I, I, I just as an aside, when I was pastoring in a typical church, uh, with typical worship service, we were coming home from church one day and, and my daughter was about, oh, five or six years old at the time. And I turned the radio on and, and uh, a black choir was singing. And boy, was it cool. I mean, it just working. <laughs> And and after it was over, I, I just said out loud, you know, there she was sitting there. I said, why do you think that black choirs just absolutely can outsing white choirs? And she said in a little five-year-old voice, she said, number one, they're, they want to. And number two, they're not afraid. And I thought, oh, a five-year-old just spitting it right out. <laughs> they want to and they're not afraid. Uh, it's it just amazing, you know, uh, but I, I appreciate your answer to that, Richard, uh, especially, and I, I think you're touching on something like really important uh, about the demonic in America, you know, being being subtle. Uh, we, he is certainly active and um, and if we could just tune tune our hearts and our eyes to see and to hear, to discern. Uh, one of the things the scripture admonishes to do is to discern the spirits. And uh, we're, we're not taught that. I, I don't I don't know. I hear a lot about that in churches about, uh, you know, it, it's almost like if you talk about uh, today, the message is going to be on spiritual warfare. It's like deer in the headlights. You know, oh, I don't want to hear that, you know, uh, but it's real. It's 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 real. And uh and you seeing it firsthand and being able to give a witness to that, a, te a testimony to the overpowering, uh, wonderful grace of Christ to break the back of that. I mean, what what a wonderful story, you know, so well, one, I appreciate it. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. done. Yeah. I, I'm going to say one, one of the uh, things uh, I, on the subject, Jack Graham Sunday, uh, got a message out of out of Mark, primarily the, you know, the, the message about the, <clears throat> the uh, the uh, demon possessed man, and he calls out the demon and puts him into the uh, pigs, and they run into the water. And you know, he asks an interesting question: Out of all the miracles that that, this, that they recount of Jesus doing, why does he choose the one about freeing someone from a demon? And they're two separate stories. And 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 the logical answer is, it's real. It's a part of our everyday everyday world we live in, and God wanted us to know that they, it does exist. And he has power over it. Amen. But the fact is, it exists. And they exist, but we ignore it as if it doesn't. And it's some very. Uh, my experience doing prison ministry uh, among uh, maximum security prisons in certain places, uh, it, it, it is unmistakable uh, when you come in contact with some these simple devil, say not satanic spirits, and it is unmistakable. And the fact that the people ignore it and just kind of blow it off as being nothing and some fairy tale. I think is one of the real dangers we face. Uh, I think the other thing is Satan is, uh, I think he uses our comfort and our um, uh, material uh, uh, comfort and blessings as a smokescreen of his of subtleness. And it's by the time I think we finally come, come face to face, it's like it's, it's, there's a power there that we're unaccustomed to. Um, but again, I think it's most, 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 
most brilliant, wickedly brilliant uh, move Satan does. It convinces you it doesn't exist and it doesn't, it's no big deal. And all the time ravaging the entire nation of people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think you, you showed two slides that summed it up for me. One was the second one, which was the schoolyard. Looked in the background. Yeah, the color. Roads, yeah. Little roofs, their huts, uh, big roofs hanging over the fence to the schoolyard. No one's arguing about it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there's so look at the far right. Shared so you, got, uh, shared uh, you see, if you look in the background, the right side. Over them. The other is the cheetahs. Mm. You're part of, part of the food chain. I think you're praying to God. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's I want true. to say something, too, about worship. We attend a church that has a very large choir, and I, I'm... I'm kind of started mentoring I think the youngest member she's 23 and it's very sweet but normally I try to close my eyes during worship and I've noticed on mission trips people are wild and you know I'm like the girl that was like barely raising her hand and um I could not close my eyes this Sunday because there was a young man at the top and he was rocking out and he was so the only way I can describe it is he was so Full of joy. He was doing the songs like everybody else, but his whole body and his face. And just, I mean, I told my sons, I said, watch him. And we were all giggling because he just exuded like you want whatever he has. Right. And, and I think there's so much power in that. We spend so much time being you know, buttoned up and that is not what we're called to do. I mean, in Pentecost, you know, in Acts, what, Acts 2, they said, are they drunk of the, you know, they're drunk. He said, it's 9 a.m. They're not drunk. They're full of spirit. Dance <laughs> <laughs> like nobody's looking, right? Sing like. We've been adulterated. An interesting word, adulterated. Yeah. So. <laughs> judge Richard, what? what? I'm sorry. What? And, yeah, okay. yeah. Go, Ron. No, I, I'm sorry. I cut, I cut him off. Go ahead. No, okay. no, no. I was just interesting word adulterated, right? So we're supposed oh. to chill like, and yet we become adulterated. Wow. So, what, what, so Richard, what's, a, what's the transition for you, sort of spiritually and mentally, when you come back uh, from that experience? I, I, okay, I, this I, is not specifically me, but I'll tell you, uh, there's, uh, I think this is important for the discussion. Uh, Early on, we took a lot of groups that were, they were uh, maybe a senior in high school and college kids, right? And there was a lot of times when you would come back and these kids had never seen that kind of poverty before. Mm-hmm. And they'd never seen that kind of, kind of stuff they saw over there. And you would have instances, several of them, where kids came home and were, they came home. And I think the question they asked is, why do I have all this? And why do those beautiful people have nothing? Yeah. And it, it really led to some serious depression uh, on, on that. I mean, it's, I think they got over it and I'm not sure that, you know, God, he, things happen to us that we don't like, we don't want, but maybe they help us grow. And I'm not saying that that's, that was all bad. Maybe some of that was good. I know when I, my kids were young, uh, whenever we went down to South Texas, I would always take him across to see the colonias. And you wouldn't do that now. It's gotten too dangerous. But, you know, I just wanted to see what they had compared to what others don't have. And really, the, the poorest people in this country are 
absolutely rich by the world standards. They got laptops and cars to drive and food to eat and a roof over their head, clean water to drink. So rare in most of the world that, you know, yeah, there that I I and I think that happens to adults as well, but I saw it most most fervently among young people. Hmm. I, I, I asked a question because uh, one of the experiences that we've always had in taking people into prisons uh, is that the number of young people who are transformed by that. Uh, the other one was our our middle son and youngest son. They, we uh, went to send them on a mission trip to Mexico. It was primarily an area where people live in, in a gar- garbage dump and had a, about a four or five year mission of building homes there. Uh, our middle son uh, came back home. And I can still say to this very day, he, he is he is completely transformed. He came home. He act, literally packed up a number of his nice jeans. He had like three or four pair of tennis shoes. He packed them up. He had two boxes all ready to go. And he was the only one on, in the group among all the adults. He's a kid, but he's the only, only one in the group that spoke Spanish fluently. So he was, you know, these pictures of him with all these kids around. He's like, they call him the Pied Piper. Because <laughs> He's the one where they communicate with. Well, he was so overtaken by the situation. He came home just broken, and he wanted to pack all his good stuff up and send it back down to him. Now, the depression came when he, we had to reveal to him and break the news, like, you can't send it. They'll never get it. He said, yeah. no, no, no. I promised Miguel, and I promised him I was going to send it. I said, son, you can't mail it. They'll never get it. Someone will steal it. And he, he was crushed. But my, our son, to this very day, he has never cared about clothes or about shoes. He's never one reason his wife had a hard time with his with his wife and probably had probably divorced, but just never cared much about things or getting money or anything else. And to this very day, he's still this. We, my sister-in-law calls him uh, Winnie the Pooh. Everybody his <laughs> friend, he wants to help everybody. But it, it completely transformed him. He was a he's a different kid. He's a different double culture. And most of the people that I know have spent time in Africa, Central America, and other places as teenagers transforms them, which is why I'm one of those people who think that every single kid should be forced to go on a <laughs> There you go. Amen. At least three weeks. <laughs> adults, too. Uh, one, of, one of our good friends from church, uh, a lady named Renee, had, was really hesitant about going to Africa. And she mm-hmm. and another a friend of ours, our Stevens ministers, you guys probably know oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were going over. Uh, Susan, the leader of our Stephen ministry, had done these trips many times and where she teaches seminars. And they just they just love this stuff. They just eat it up. Mm-hmm. And she wanted Renee to go with her. Well, Renee was very hesitant. She'd never been to Africa. She would just I, I every time I see her, she comes up and gives me the biggest hug, tells me just how it it changed her life and she wants to go in fact we're putting together a trip to uh ireland this this uh summer it's not it's a little bit different but it's christian based thing and she wants to go in there now too so it changes adults hearts too amen Amen. so now now one other question uh you mentioned uh ukraine and uh a trip there Give us a highlight. What time I get? Yeah, that was. Uh, I came on. I think I was on with you guys back in maybe in May. Um, right. That's down. a fun story. That's a fun God story too. Because uh, when I was doing TV news, Texas Baptist men, as you know, Ron, and as you all you guys probably know, they go all over the world doing relief right. work, and they're expert at 
clean water and mass feeding and rebuilding Mm -hmm. all this stuff. And they've got these huge teams and they send them all over. Well, I I had gone to Sri Lanka with them after uh, the South Asia tsunami back in early 2005 or 2006 and spent uh, two weeks over there with a team that was going over there to try to clean up water wells and do some other things and ended up doing a documentary on it, filing daily reports and coming back and doing a documentary on it. Just of course fell in love with those guys. And I would always tease them over the year when I would, over the years when I covered them, I, you know, I'm Lutheran guys, but you, you take, after I retire, you'd take me. Right. And they always <laughs> said they would. Well, um, right before the war, just as the war was starting, I, I follow them on Facebook and they had said, they were sending a scout team over there to potentially send a relief team over. Mm-hmm. And so because of COVID, all the training was done online. So I took two full days and did all the training, got all signed up, got my background check and everything, never expecting I'd get a call right away. Well, uh, it's early March and I'm playing baseball. A team out of Fresno had uh, recruited me to go play in a tournament in Las Vegas. So I'm sitting at the uh, in the airport waiting for my bags to get, and I get a call from one of the leaders of Texas Baptist men, he says, I understand you might be uh, interesting going to uh, Ukraine and Poland. And I said, well, yeah, I got to talk to my wife about that. But yeah, I would. So he says, well, if we go, it's not a sure thing. But if we go, it'll be this is a Friday. He said it'll be next Wednesday. So I call my wife about it. And she hates it when I'm gone. <laughs> this is before we got a puppy. We got a puppy now. She's better. But uh <laughs> So she prayed about it. She said, I know it's the right thing to do. You you need to go. So I had been home like less than 48 hours from the baseball tournament, which she was praying we would lose so I wouldn't stay an extra day. And we didn't make the championship team. So anyway, <laughs> I'm, on the, I'm on a plane to Poland. We were the first team in there. And we spent uh, almost two weeks working at a, uh, there was a large Baptist church on the, uh, it's a city called Helm. It's spelled C-H-E-L-M, but it's pronounced with kind of a hard H. And it's right on the Ukraine border and it has a big train station there. So daily, uh, refugees are coming into the train station and they're being transported to this big church where they, they're they sleeping hundreds all over yeah. the sanctuary and everywhere else. And they're feeding, you know, they've got a kitchen going 24 hours a day and and then uh, the, the people are staying for a few days and then going further in to Europe. So some of the time I spent there uh, working, cleaning toilets and, and mopping floors and uh, really glamorous stuff like that. But most of the time, the men, myself included, were at a warehouse on the edge of town where uh, goods were being transported in from all over Europe, um, Ireland, Italy, wherever. And then, we would offload them, sort them, you know, uh, uh, baby needs, food, whatever. And then trucks and vans and everything were coming in from Ukraine. We would load them up to send them back in to the war zone. And it was backbreaking work. I got really, really sick with a bummock, uh, stomach bug one night. And, and uh, but it was such a privilege to be of service to those people because most of them were coming were women and children. The men stayed to fight. Richard, we got one minute. We only got one minute. Go ahead. <laughs> but, but it was just, it was such a blessing. And, and I, I, because I know everybody, probably everybody in this call would have, would have gone if they could have. And wow. uh, 
I just love Texas Baptist men, and I can't say enough about them. Amen. What an exciting, what an exciting. I remember the stories. Now you had some great pictures too, and the unloading those trucks and the guys. Wow, I remember those. That was something. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are uh, we've run out of time, and uh, we're so glad you tuned in tonight to watch the program. Richard, we just love to see what you're doing. We're so glad you always come back. You're part of this family. We love to hear what uh, what's happening next. And uh, if you get anything that happens like that, let me know, and I'll put it out there and, and tell them how we're praying for you, let the people know, and uh, kind of follow through with us that way. Um, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to cut out right now because uh, the red light's gonna go on. It's gonna blow up the machine any minute. But anyway, we're out of time. But uh, hey, folks, don't forget Stephanie. She had a great one, but uh, we're out of time tonight. We're going to have to go ahead. And, uh, I'd rather hear the stories than, than, than ask you for gifts or for finances. That, uh, anyway, we'll go from there. So remember, we're praying for you, Richard. We're praying for your wife and your family and uh, all that you're doing. I'm going to call some there just to get to and text me some of those names of who you're on so we could pray for those specifically. But in the meantime, before they cut the big uh, antenna in the sky, <laughs> we won't be able to come back. Uh, God bless you, folks. Thanks for turning in to Raising Expectations. Richard, quickly, I, I ran out of time on questions. We're just, we're just praying for you. If there's anything specific, let me know, and I'm going to let everybody know how we can pray for you. Just continue to give me peace about thy will be done, not my will be done, because my yes. will would not have taken me where I'm at. His will is. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. God bless you, brother. Okay. Thanks, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, love you guys, all of you. And we'll be back next week, same time, same station. And uh, in the meantime, keep praying. God's at work. And wow, where do you see what he's doing? Like we said, open your eyes and watch what he's doing. And if your hands go up, look, if nobody's looking, leave them there. No, just leave them up. It's fine with us. <laughs> we'll go for that. <laughs> right, Ron? Absolutely. <laughs> all right, all right. God bless you all. We'll see you next week on Raising Expectations. Bye, Diane. Do go. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Friends, thanks for joining us on this week's program of Raising Expectations. We profoundly hope you found it engaging and at times humorous. But most of all, uplifting, so that we may, with you, one topic at a time each week, become more encouraged to move forward to an exciting future in, as we always say, this thing called life in America today. So let not your hearts be troubled, your family, finances, faith, freedom. It can be a great future as we talk, listen, respect, and pull together. Please let me hear from you. You can reach me at 972-922-8556. That's 972-922-8556 or Joe Schofield on Facebook or LinkedIn. It'd be a pleasure to know you and we hope you'll listen in again next week on the BBS Radio Network.